Just about everywhere you go in the Indian River School District, people are effusive in their praise of Brandon McCabe. The Sussex Central High School teacher consistently earns accolades from students, parents, colleagues, and administrators. And the praise goes just beyond his skills as a classroom teacher. Admirers consistently cite his ability to mentor students, serve as a positive role model, and provide guidance on life after high school. One district parent writes of Mr. McCabe, it is truly appreciated when your child has an outstanding role model and positive influence. Teachers like Brandon truly shape the lives of their students. He represents the epitome of what a teacher should be. Perhaps that's why Brandon is the Indian River School District's Teacher of the Year for 2020-2021. I'm Dave Maul, and Brandon recently joined me on Zoom to discuss his teaching career, his philosophies on education, and what this special award means to him. I'll play my interview with Brandon right after the break. This is the IRSD Spotlight. Joining me now on Zoom is Brandon McCabe, the Indian River School District's Teacher of the Year. Brandon, uh, thanks for joining us. How are things up at Sussex Central these days? Things are going good, you know, uh, tackling everything that uh, with, with that COVID is throwing at us, but uh, you know, taking it as it comes and figuring out how to, to uh, educate and touch base with these students as best we can. Yeah, it certainly uh, changed how we have to do things, hasn't it? Yes, it has, but Take it, it's 2020, so uh, we take it as it comes, figure it out, and uh, and do our best. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, first of all, how does it feel to be the uh, Indian River School District's Teacher of the Year for 2021? It's a, It was a surprise. It's uh, It definitely feels good. You know, it's kind of a culmination of um, what I've been working on, I guess, over the 10, 10, 11 years that I've been teaching, trying to improve each year and, and learn from, you know, my successes and my failures, but also learn from other teachers in the building in the district. Um, it's, it, it feels good to kind of uh, notice that, that, you know, what we're doing, what I'm doing is, is uh, certainly successful and, and it's helping us, the, the students. But also, you know, there's a lot of great teachers in the district and uh, to be, you know, recognized as a teacher of the year for the district, it certainly makes me feel good because I know there's a, there's a lot of great teachers in the district. And really what, it, what I like about it is that uh, it, it kind of uh, identifies and shows what our ag department and the, the career technical education in the district does and, and what we do to prepare the students for future careers. And we educate them on, on the agriculture, uh, what's going on with ag in 2020 and, and trying to help them get set up for, for their future. Well, this isn't the only big thing that's happened to you the last few months. I understand that you uh, have a new addition to the family just recently. I do. Uh, I got a, a daughter. She's our second child. She is seven weeks old today, actually. Yeah. She was, what, what was the birthday? October 1st, I think? Yep. October 1st. That's great. Congratulations to uh, you and your family, Brandon. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm hoping that October 1st, I'll be able to always remember her birthday. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're also a graduate of Sussex Central, class of uh, 2001. Does that 
does that make this honor a little more special for you uh, being named teacher of the year, not only for the school district, but actually having to uh, work at the school that you graduated from? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, being a graduate of Sussex Central, I was, I was first proud to be teacher of the year for Sussex Central. That was, that was a big moment for me. Just going through Central, graduating from there, being able to come back and teach there, uh, remembering kind of the teachers that were big impacts in my life that were at Sussex Central. Um, so just trying to kind of follow suit and what they did and how they helped me. And so that was a big part. But then obviously being uh, recognized as a district teacher of the year, being from Sussex Central, but also obviously going through the district. I'm proud to, to be able to, to uh, be a part of kind of what we do great at the school and at the district. Now, the day that, that it was revealed that you were Teacher of the Year, I believe it was June 15th, and it was, uh, it was, was going to be a surprise. Uh, Mark Steele, you, I think the uh, staff at Sussex Central was out collecting textbooks outside the school that day, and uh, Superintendent Mark Steele and some other administrators were going to come and surprise you, but unbeknownst to them, I guess, the surprise had already been ruined before you even got to the school, <laughs> school that day. Tell us that story, because it's actually kind of funny. Yeah, uh, so Dr. Layfield asked for the Ag Department to come help pass out uh, it was yearbooks and uh, graduation um, sashes and, and stuff like that. So we had our department up there, and and if you know, if you, my family and my friends will laugh, I'm always late. Um, I got, <laughs> it's just, I don't know what it is. I, I always try to squeeze an hour worth of work into, into a half an hour, and um, I have four chicken houses, so I was working on that in the, in the beginning in the morning, and I was running a bit late. So when I showered and went out to my truck, I noticed a vehicle was pulled off the side of the road next to my house. I was like, well, that's, that's weird. You know, it's like, well, yeah, I don't know if it broke down or, or need some help. So I started to walk over there and I got about 10, 15 feet away and I realized it was Dr. Jerns. And uh, obviously put two and two together and, and <laughs> realized why she was there. Uh, so, so, you know, she said, she, she yelled at me and said, you're not supposed to be here. I said, oh, I'm, I'm running late, I know. And you know, as my phone's blowing up with with uh, the other ag department trying to get me to hurry up, so I told Renee, Renee or Dr. Jerns, I said, "Well, I'll act surprised when everybody comes <laughs> up there." But she said not to worry about that. But I was certainly surprised when obviously I uh, saw Dr. Jerns and put two and two together. It, it was a, a big surprise either way. And they were actually there to put a, a sign in the front in the front yard of your house, correct? Yep. So when I got back, it was a huge sign saying congratulations, and, and I, you know, obviously I ruined the surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, due to the, the pandemic, we didn't get to have uh, our Teacher of the Year recognition ceremony back in the spring uh, to honor all, not only you, but all the school winners. But the school district did ho host a reception for you, I think it was on August, uh, I'm sorry, on October uh, 13th at the school. Um, how did that go? Yeah, that was, I appreciated that because like you said, with COVID and, and, and the pandemic and obviously all the social distancing that we have to do, we, we couldn't do the normal um, announcement of District Teacher of the Year and, and the kind of what goes along with that. So what they did, it was, it was I appreciated it um, and we couldn't have the, the statewide announcement that they typically have at Dover Downs. So when they announced who won state, the uh, State Teacher of the Year, each school district was able to kind of set up their own celebration. And uh, so they had a celebration at Sussex Central High School, um, had all, everybody there, they asked who I would like to be there. So I had my family and friends and coworkers there and, and it was nice. And I had a dinner, gave me some, you know, some accolades and, and made me feel really good for, for 
uh, winning teacher of the year. But I definitely appreciate it. Was able to kind of celebrate it at least 2020 style with my family and my friends. So it was nice. Let's get into your agriculture teaching a little bit. Um, can you talk a little bit about agricultural structures and engineering? That's your area of expertise there at Sussex Central. What is that exactly? Yep. So it's a pathway at Sussex Central High School. It's, it's obviously in the agricultural department. It's got a kind of a brother um, pathway as well that is uh, agricultural power and engineering. And that's taught by uh, Mr. Stokel and Mrs. Revel and Mrs. Hendrickson. We all, we all tackle those, uh, those classes and the pathways. But for ag structures and engineering, it focuses on starting out with typically the hand power tools, um, hand tools, power tools, construction math, and then we touch on the careers in in type of construction and electric and engineering and, and HVAC. It's a it's a really wide pathway where we talk about a lot of different careers, and then we we do the hands on uh, teaching of those careers. So we talk about construction, we also talk about just carpentry, and then we go into electric, plumbing, HVAC. We really try to just widen and broaden the horizon of all my students of what types of careers they can get in the agriculture field, but also the, the structure, the construction field, and even engineering as well. So as, as they come through my, to my class and, and go through, I have them their sophomore, junior, and senior years. And I'm really able to, uh, because I have them for so many years, I'm really able to kind of create a relationship with them that I start to understand what they want to do in their careers. And, or career, and then we can start to link, okay, you're interested in these types of things, this career has these types of aspects that you would do, and then we start to go down that avenue of what type of education or training or apprenticeship programs they would need after high school. But we, we touch with it, we try to give them the basics in school and uh, in my classes, in my pathways, and then to link them to whatever future careers they would like. So even though you're you're technically an ag teacher, what you teach goes well beyond that. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely in the ag department, but it can also work to home construction, commercial construction, electric, obviously HVAC. It's it's very wide ranging of, of the uh, the curriculum and how it can impact the students. You're right. Now you've had, like all teachers, you've had to adapt to COVID and remote learning and those types of things. How has that worked out for you? Because uh, you teach in kind of a pretty unique field for that. How, how have you managed that this year? Yeah, it's definitely been uh, a learning as we go. You know, it's, we started out fully remote. So the question I asked is how do I, how do I connect and reach these kids where we are typically doing hands-on projects, whether it's construction or plumbing, electric, it's, it's always, a little bit of uh, lecturing and, and instruction, and then, all right, let's go work on this project hands-on. So that was my question, and wrestled with it for a bit, but I started to basically do, um, I, I kind of called them in class, like DIY videos, like you, you see on Google, on YouTube and stuff. So through the remote learning and the Zooms, they would watch me uh, build an actual project. We actually were working on building some dugout benches for the softball team that coach Wells asked for uh, back in March. But uh, we worked on that and they would watch me using the tools, watch me making, uh, building the, the benches and we would just talk back and forth. So it was kind of a, a YouTube DIY, but we also converse back and forth. And I would, I would throw in some scenarios where we, you know, quote unquote would have a, a mistake or a hang up or one time I actually did make a mistake and I, 
I put the screws in the wrong spot. So it was a lot of learning that way back and forth. Then once we got hybrid and we started getting students in, in the class, um, it was we kind of continued that same trend. But instead of me being the one doing everything, then I would choose a couple students to beat class and they would be the kind of the, the quote unquote DIYers, the YouTubers. And they would work on the, uh, the project, we use the tools, and then we would, we would converse back and forth with Zooms. One of the things that I want to ask you about, and you've been very, you've been very upfront about this as far as your uh, philosophies on education and, and that. You've mentioned that, you know, college, after high school, college might not be for every student and that there's still avenues that can be followed if a student does not want to go to college or maybe isn't ready to go to college. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you've been very, very upfront about, about that particular philosophy. Yeah, that's, that's one of my biggest things I think I've learned over the 10, 11 years of me teaching uh, that I've, I've, I've grown and I've learned a lot about is opening these kids' ideas and showing them avenues to a career that is not college-bound. And, and I'm not saying that we, we shouldn't go to college, but I want to make sure that all my students know all the opportunities that are out there. If, it's, if they want to do a certain career that requires college, then all right, let's, let's dive into it. Let's figure out what uh, degree you need, what schools have that. Let's go down that path. If kids want to work in construction or HVAC or electric or plumbing, mechanics, you know, I, mechanics isn't my side, but me and Mr. Stoke will have a lot of the same students. Then let's dive into that. And Mr. Stoke was actually, he's my colleague that he teaches the Ag Power Mechanics or Engineering. He's really one that got me started. He started taking some trips to Universal Technical Institute, which was a, uh, or is a trade school for mechanics. And I tagged along uh, just to kind of, you know, obviously brighten my horizons and learn. And I was like, man, this is, this is something that's great. This is a trade school that kids interested in mechanics, they can go to and, um, you know, get certified and go right into the, the workforce within a year after graduation. So then I started looking for more for on my side, whether it would be construction or electric or HVAC, and started getting some really good relationships with Delaware Tech, uh, the Carpenters Union Training Center in Georgetown, and uh, Polytech Adult Ed, and a number of ones that are around the area. And that's really been where I've started to really switch my key focus once they I get the students as juniors and seniors is identify what they want to do, identify what, how, what they want to be and, and, and be successful with in their life and their career, and, start, and then obviously link them with whatever uh, pathway, whatever education would be for them to be successful. So there are opportunities, lots of opportunities out there through, like you said, trade schools, training centers, those types of things. That, that, and, and it sounds like the kids can enter the workforce much quicker than if they actually did go to college. Yeah, it's it's it really opened my eyes. I I didn't know about many of these opportunities that there that is out there with the apprenticeship programs. Uh, Dell Tech has some two year programs or even some certificate programs that they can go do for HVAC. It's it's really something. It's an opportunity for many kids to get educated in a field that they're interested in and be successful in a career and not have to go to a college if they don't want to. Uh, when I when I first started, I was seeing a lot of kids after they graduated and they would come back like, Hey, how's, you know, how's things going? Oh, we, you know, I did the first semester. It just wasn't for me or, or a year and a half. It just wasn't for me. And, and that just kind of weighed on me because it was, that was my job. If, if they're graduating and they're, they're not best prepared for their next step in life, you know, that's, I'm not doing my job. So 
the, the best thing that I enjoy about teaching, the greatest moments that I have is when I see them after high school, year, two years, five years, and I, they're able to tell me how successful they are with whatever career path they've chosen, whether it's something in my field or if it's something completely different. I, I just enjoy seeing the students that I've taught be successful in their life. And you've mentioned that schools should be focusing on college and career readiness. And furthermore, you think that our, our two high schools are doing a pretty good job and on that, um, or kind of at the forefront. Can you talk a little bit more about that as far as locally, how we're doing in that, in that regard? Yeah, I really think that Sussex Central and Indian River High School are, are, are leading the way with this. Uh, when I first started teaching, like I said, nine, ten years ago, we used to have college days or college weeks. And it was great. It was something where we would kind of focus on helping kids apply to college and identify some colleges they would go to. And then it, it really got – I was getting some students who would say, I just don't want to go to college. And at that moment, I didn't have an answer for them. And after me and Mr. Stokel really started to do some research and visiting some places, like I said, we've, we've identified and created some relationships. And we're even, – even now in 2020, uh, we've, we've reached out to many different places that are local that uh, or jobs wise that would offer them career career opportunities, and once we started doing that, and then it started to kind of backfeed. Where now we have uh, guidance is has relationships with these places, or they'll say, "Hey, I got this student who is interested in construction or, or HVAC or whatever it is," and they'll reach out to me. And we'll, between the between all of us, we'll find that connection. But they've really started to identify and realize that kids. In order for kids to be successful, they need an education, they need training, but that education can come college, trade school, apprentice, on the job. There's plenty of different ways to get that education. We just, it's our job to, to find that for them and make sure that they're linked with, with what they want to do. You have a, a bachelor's degree in agribusiness from UMES, but I get the impression that teaching wasn't in your original plan. Is that correct? Yeah, I tell my students a lot of times when we're talking about careers, I tell them to be open because what you think you want to do now as a 15, 16, 18-year-old, it may not be what you end up actually becoming. We never know what our pathways in life is going to be. When I went to college, I, I did ag business because I'm coming from a, a family farm, poultry and grain, and, and my thought was that I was going to go to college, learn to run the ag business and come back and expand upon our family farm. And then obviously when, when mom and dad want to slowly start to take it over with my brother and, and myself. And, uh, and that was still the plan. Once I graduated, um, I did coach college baseball for a few years. I was really interested in that and, and thought that, that might be a pathway, but kind of realized that it was a long run if I wanted to be successful in college coaching. So that's when I ended up coming back home and, and farming with dad and taking over some of the poultry houses and uh, that was what I was going to do. I was set up. It was, I was 24, 25, 26 years old, and I was doing that for a couple of years. And I was doing some substitute teaching just to, you know, winter months and get some extra cash type of a deal. And I was coaching uh, travel ball, so I was doing youth coaching. And I really enjoyed, even when I was coaching college, I even really enjoyed with the youth was helping them achieve their dream. You know, youth, they want to get to college. College, they want to be successful and at least in college baseball, if not go to the next step, next level. And I just enjoyed helping those young ball players become successful in a dream that I had myself, but they have. And I, I enjoyed helping them get that light bulb where it went off 
and then they started to have success and just took off. So I really enjoyed that. And I actually, I had a friend, she's actually teaching at Howard Tiennes now. She texted me and said there was an acquisition opening. Well, that, that could be something fun. You know, that's a way for me to, I can still coach and, and help them and I can uh, get into teaching. I can really help some of these younger students maybe to find that passion and have that light bulb go off with, with their lives and help them be successful there. And, and that's what's really, especially these last five or six years, like I was talking about with, uh, with helping these students find the, the training and the education that they need to be successful. That's, that's what I really enjoy the most, like I've said, is, to, is helping these students find that career path, link them with the education that they need, and see them be successful. So did, uh, did the coaching aspect of it, I mean, like you said, you, you coached at UMES for a couple of years and then and coached travel ball. Um, did working with young people kind of, you know, fuel your passion a little bit to become a teacher and, and kind of drive you in that, in that direction? Yeah. Like I said, I really enjoyed seeing that kind of that light bulb go off when, when we were, I was a hit. I always worked with hit and that was my thing. So I always liked seeing that light bulb go off with them when we're working on the tee or we're doing uh, batting practice and you can just see where something just clicks and, and they take it and they just run with it. And those are the moments that I really enjoyed. So being able to help the the, young, the youth where 9, 10, 12, 16 years old, that was exciting for me to help them. And then when I got into teaching, there was just a whole other avenue that I was able to help these students have that, that light bulb that I say go off and, and to help them achieve their dreams and whatever that may be. Uh, one of the things that you've written about extensively is is how important it is for teachers to foster positive relationships. Uh, with their students. And I'm going to read just something that you wrote in your portfolio. You wrote, uh, we have to create strong relationships with today's students. My role is simply not a teacher, it is a mentor, confidant, surrogate parent, and role model. Students today need to know that someone has their back regardless of their situation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you're, you're obviously very passionate about that. That's definitely something that's kind of grown with me as in the, the in, with my career. Being able to have students for two, three, sometimes four years when I, when I used to teach all four levels of the pathway, you just really get to know the students. And being an ag teacher, they, they really start to kind of just uh, confide in you and, and some things that maybe they're not, but they wouldn't in other teachers. And let's, let's be honest, you know, there's plenty of students out there that just don't have uh, that mentor, that confidant, that, um, that help at home that many of us did growing up. And that's our job, you know, it's as, as educators now, you know, obviously we're trying to teach our curriculum and stuff, but like I've said before, my main goal was to make sure these students are lined up and have a pathway after they're, uh, after they graduate. And by having them for so many years, I just get to know them so well. And we work together, we work side by side with the projects that we're building. So obviously it becomes less teacher student and more uh, a coworker, working together type of a deal. So they end up talking to me on a different level, I guess you'd say, where I get to understand them a lot better. And, and that's just, it, that then helps me to um, link them obviously with their future career. We have to be there for the students. And so they have someone to confide into so that we're able to best get to know them. And once we get to know them, then we can help either them uh, with me, you know, link them with their future career. But if it's in English, well, once I get to know that student a little bit better, now I know how to teach my curriculum to that student, how I can link it, whether it's English, math, science, whatever it is. Once I understand that student better, 
then I can differentiate my instruction to best fit that student. Is that a great sort of source of satisfaction for you too, to be able to help kids in that regard too, not just teaching in the classroom, but in other areas too? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think we definitely are. We're teaching the whole student now, not just we're teaching our curriculum. We're teaching, especially 2020 with the pandemic, you know, it's how do we get these, these students to really buy into what we're doing? And that's really the relationships building that relationship with the students. So we get them to turn their zoom on. Do we get them to, to log in and, and, and converse with us back and forth. So it's not just us talking to uh, blank screens and they're actually learning something from our classes. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I definitely get the most out of it by creating these relationships with the students and, and helping them out. Now you're also an FFA advisor up at Sussex Central and you do some pretty cool community service activities up there. Um, tell us about the thank a farmer dinner, which started a few years back. And I think you guys are have, have still going to this day. Yeah. Uh, we had our fifth thank a farmer dinner last February. It's a, uh, it's an annual event that we have now. It is during National FFA Week, which is always the third, fourth week in February, kind of depending on, on when the National FFA has it full. Uh, it was just something where during FFA Week, the FFA were supposed to uh, basically we're, we're giving back to the community. We're should demonstrating what we do uh, in the chapter. And it's basically just kind of showing off kind of, kind of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, yearly basis, but then also trying to bring in and help the community. So we've always kind of wondered, well, what can we do? What can we do to have a big event where we're just bringing in a whole lot of people and, uh, and thanking them for what they do, those types of things. So the idea came up to have a, a thank a farmer dinner because obviously the FFA is, is agricultural backed. It's not just for farmers. There's plenty of careers and opportunities that are, that are in agriculture that are not just farmer but you can't have agriculture without that farmer. And recently, you know, last so many years or whatnot, farmers tend to be kind of uh, picked on, you know, there's, there's misinformation out there with some of the, with agriculture that as a farmer myself, that my parents are farmers, my brother is farmers. Um, we kind of see kind of how they get put down, I guess you would say from time to time. So what could we do? So the idea was just let's, let's just have a dinner to kick off or the end up finish off FFA week and bring in as many farmers as we could. So we sat down and tried to figure out how to do it. We ended up getting a lot of addresses of local farmers, ones that I knew. Um, Mr. Lawson, he used to teach with us some addresses he knew and just we're like, well, let's see what we can do. So we sent out invites. We had it at the Indian River Fire Hall and huge success. We were able to get all the food donated, uh, the parents of all the FFA members were great, and it has grown from year to year. Uh, we've grown out of a couple different of the fire halls that we were just too big to have anymore. Last year we had it at Dagsboro Fire Hall, and we had, uh, I think the number was over 100 uh, guests, you know, with, with the members, or the farmers and their, uh, their families. And we've added now where we give our green hand degree during that. Uh, the at the farmer dinner and the farmers really enjoy that uh, kind of talking to them they're just excited to see so many young people and in, interested and involved in agriculture that it, it makes it just adds to that that farmer dinner well the pandemic also forced you to kind of get creative with the ffa officer elections up there uh last spring um and it's kind of neat what you guys did can you talk a little bit about that yeah so 
typically we elect new officers at our uh, yearly FFA banquet. And the banquet is always uh, right before Easter, whenever it falls. And we elect them. That's the last thing that we do at the banquet. It's a big deal. And the, the, uh, the officers, it's a big excitement for them because it's something that they've worked through. The interview process they have to go through is, is pretty strict. In fact, many of the officers have come back to us years after they've graduated, after they've obtained their careers and say that the interview process for the, becoming an officer was more difficult than any interview they've had for a job or a career. So it's, it's, a, it's a big deal for them. And because of the pandemic, we obviously couldn't have that, so we canceled it. We conducted our interviews over Zoom, uh, which went well, and we elected eight new officers for the school year. And like I said, it's a big deal. And it, it was kind of a sad thing of not being able to have the banquet, not being able to elect these officers. So we're trying to figure out a way to pick up the officer spirits, pick up their spirits, but also do something big for them that, that they would typically be able to have. So what we did is we ended up having a parade kind of a deal. We got all the ag teachers, which at that point we had six ag teachers, our assistant principal, uh, Aaron Donovan. We had ended up having, I believe, eight or nine cars. And we, we hooked up to our livestock trailer, decorated the livestock trailer, and we got uh, yard signs for each officer. And we, would, we made a parade and we went through to each officer's address showed up to their house, blew the horn, did all kinds of hollering, screaming, yelling, anything to kind of make their day. And, uh, you know, walked up, handed them the, uh, the yard signs that they could put in their yard. It said Sussex Central's president, Sussex Central's vice president, those types of things. And uh, you could just tell that it definitely meant a lot to them. Well, I know those kids probably really enjoyed that. And, yes, I'm, I'm quite sure it lifted their spirits under some difficult circumstances back in, uh, back in the spring, definitely. Um, I want to read you, before we wrap it up, I want to read you a couple of quotes. And I, I think what amazes me is, you know, when I read some of the letters that people have written about you, it, it's, it's amazing the nice things that they have to say. So I want to read a, just a couple of things here shortly. Uh, this one is from Bradley Layfield, your, your principal there at Sussex Central. And he writes, Brandon is not only one of Sussex Central's greatest examples of a highly effective teacher. He is truly one of the best educators in our district. Anyone who enters his classroom will discover that this is evident from his consistent and pervasive use of instructional best practices each and every day as he interacts with students. And a Sussex Central parent wrote this about you. Uh, the most impressive and appreciated attributes of Brandon McCabe go beyond his proficient teaching skills. It is Brandon's caring and mentoring of his students that sets him apart from his fellow teachers. How does it make you feel when you hear people say and write stuff like that about you very humbling um i don't know i don't i don't accept like accolades very well i get kind of awkward uh, i just my my department they threw a kind of a, a little lunch for me one time and i just i don't know i just don't i don't accept it well but it is very humbling i've known dr layfield for for years um he was a couple years older than me in high school going through it and uh, the leadership that he provides uh, at the school is, is something that I've, I've learned a lot from being now I'm, as a department chair of, of the Ag Department. I've, I've learned a lot of how to lead from him. So him having those words definitely is, it means a lot to me. The parent that, that wrote that, uh, I've had actually two of her kids and, you know, I know them pretty well, got to know her students, very, her, her kids very well. So 
that means a lot to me because that what she said is what I strive to be as a teacher. I strive, like I've talked about before, to, to create those relationships to help these kids out. And by her writing that, it, it, it kind of shows, that I guess, I'm um, succeeding in what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I'd say I'd say you have been. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Brandon, look, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to speak with us today and, and joining me on Zoom. I, I usually do the Teacher of the Year podcast in the spring, uh, but that got delayed a little bit. But I'm really glad that we were still able to do it because uh, it's one of the ones that I enjoy every year. So, so thanks for taking the time to speak with us. No problem. Thank you. I appreciate it. Before we wrap up this episode, we'd be remiss if we didn't recognize the 2020-2021 Teacher of the Year winners from each of our schools. They are... Amy Workman, East Millsboro Elementary School, Jenna Kirk, Georgetown Elementary School, Jamie Schwartz, John M. Clayton Elementary School, Emily Ray, Long Neck Elementary School, Mary Kreger, Lord Baltimore Elementary School, Angela Nikki Robbins, North Georgetown Elementary School, Heather McCabe, Philip C. Shaw Elementary School, Eric McGuire, Georgetown Middle School, Jenna Fowler, Millsboro Middle School, Amanda Mitchell, Selbyville Middle School, Michelle Elliott, Indian River High School, Amanda Swain, Southern Delaware School of the Arts, Sarah Colmergen, Howard T. Ennis School, and Lindsay Hudson Hubs of the GW Carver Academy. Congratulations to all of these gifted teachers. IRSD Spotlight is produced by the Indian River School District. Episodes can be accessed through iTunes or by visiting irsd.net and going to the podcast link under the Discover IRSD tab. It is also available through several mobile podcast apps by searching IRSD. Thank you for listening and we'll be back soon with more great news and information from the Indian River School District. Until then, remember that Indian River truly is a model of excellence.